le bon Dieu, sa mère, tout est pour nous. Support for Talk the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. And the time is 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill. Stay tuned for Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, you've got your fast food and you've got your slow food. Now, in contrast to fast money zipping around the world in pursuit of cash profits for investors, we have slow money invested patiently to revitalize our communities for the good of people and the planet. And on this program, we'll look at how so-called slow money intersects with the movement to revitalize local food systems and other cornerstones of our communities. Our guests in the studio include Bonnie Rukin of the uh, slow food movement, basically, slow, slow, slow money movement in Maine. She's the coordinator, and uh, she's in Camden. Welcome to you, Bonnie. Thank you. We also have Marata Cook of Crown of Maine Organic Cooperative based in Basselboro. Welcome to you, Marata. Thanks. Also, Gray Harris is Director of Agricultural Resources and Program Development at CEI, which stands for Coastal <coughs> Enterprises, Inc. in Wiscasset. Welcome to you. Thanks. And joining us from Washington County at uh, Tide Mill Farm in Edmonds is Aaron Bell. Welcome to you, Aaron. Hello. Thanks to each of you for being with us to help our um, our listeners understand this notion. And I probably will say slow food more than, than <laughs> not. But we're talking about slow money today, um, although the food is important too. Uh, Bonnie, perhaps you could get started and, and just tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you came into this, um, this notion of, of slow food. Thanks, Ron, and thanks again for hosting us and giving us a chance to share this with the community. I uh, have been in Maine for about 30 years and been involved in many ways with nonprofit organizations focused on social change. I was an organic farmer for about 15 years at Sand Hill Farm in Somerville. And uh, I have been in nonprofit governance and in uh, some forms of investment in philanthropy for many years. And at this point in time, about uh, September of last year, um, I went to uh, the first national gathering of the Slow Money Alliance in Santa Fe. And I was very inspired and impressed by the convergence of many sectors focused on what seemed to be a paradigm shift that was bringing communities together around sustainable food systems. And I was jazzed and came back to Maine and gathered with a few nonprofit leaders to see if this had an option to fly in Maine and got a resounding yes, would you be willing to help us organize it? And however many months later we are, we have grown from a group of 12 to a mailing list of over 130 people. We have meetings every other month in Augusta and have become a very inclusive, diverse, fluid group looking at the issues of agriculture sustainability for farmers, investors, consumers at all levels throughout the state of Maine. And it's been a, a very exciting movement to be part of and the time seems perfectly matched to our intentions. Great, thanks. That, that's a good introduction. Um, we'll talk about the concept of slow money in just a minute. Um, Marana, perhaps you could introduce yourself and, and tell us a little about yourself and how you kind of got into this notion of, of uh, uh, organic cooperative. Okay, well, um, Crown of Maine Organic Cooperative has been functioning to deliver Maine-grown food to markets in Maine and all the way down to Boston since 1995. It was a family startup that my um, father and siblings um, and mother put together. And in the last three years, we have really exploded in growth and sales and farmers went from 
five farmers in 1995 to about 87 farmers and food producers this year. Um, and uh, our mission is to intelligently and intentionally advance the marketing and production of food in Maine. Um, so we came to Slow Money sort of um, as a surprise notion. My sister and I sort of like to keep our ears open for what's going on on the ground. And um, Bonnie crossed our path somewhere mid-course of her exploration of the idea. And um, we immediately were inspired by what um, the idea of slow money could do for our producers um, because we were struggling with things like producers not having enough jars to jar um, product that we already had sold and so we were shorted. So our our growth as a company was being hindered by some, some small money um, obstacles, but to the producer they were big money obstacles and also some larger um, infrastructure issues. Um, I think Maine has got, gone a long way with their food system on a grassroots level and we're facing serious undercapitalization now. So slow money definitely um, could be a very active and creative approach to solving those problems. Mm. Well, let's move from the distributor um, to the, the farmer. Aaron, tell us a little about, about yourself and, and Tide Mills. Well, I'm the eighth generation to grow up farming on Tide Mill Farm. It's been in the family since 1765. Mm. And since me and my wife have been managing the vegetable and poultry and dairy and we raise about 30 pigs a year there. Um, for the last 10 years, we've seen an incredible growth in the demand for local healthy products. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's being realized by all sectors of uh, the food industry. And Murata as a distributor is a key aspect of that. And investment from whatever sources, whether they be from a bank or um, private investors that want to participate in a slower return, um, but a more... Uh, reasonable investment, which is better in the long term for culture and society as a whole. Um, we're seeing, you know, more and more interest from levels such as that, and uh, I, I do think we're on the right. Um, we're on we're on the, a wave that's just building in momentum right now, and um, yeah, I do think people are interested in where their food comes from, and uh, we we make about half of our income from bulk milk sales and the other half of it from direct marketed Tide Milk branded products. And we did lose our milk contract last November from HP Hood. And as a result of that, us and eight other uh, farms put together Moo Milk, which is uh, right now getting off the ground and, and just, you know, experiencing some growing pains and uh, are appreciative of any interest um, from, from investment, uh, particularly, you know, from anyone who's who's in on the slow money uh, movement, who would like to be become more involved with Moo Milk and helping it grow and realize its potential. Great. Gray Harris, you probably have seen all of this kind of unfolding in, in some ways in your position with CEI. Tell us a little bit about how you got to this this work and, and what it consists of now. Sure. No, I'd be happy to. Um, just as by way of a little background, um, CEI is a community development finance institution. And what that means is we offer free business development services, business planning services, as well as finance to um, multiple sectors, across multiple sectors. We've been doing this since 1977, and we've always been involved in agriculture in one way or another. And now we're in this very exciting place of re-envisioning and reinventing how we're going to participate in this sector. Um, and at the moment, we're really looking at how we can offer business planning and finance um, to build and strengthen the ag infrastructure in this state that sources from local producers, that builds a local food system, and creates access to all of this great food for people regardless of income, with a special focus on low-income folks, because everyone has the right to this um, terrific food. Um, we came to this, CEI, um, more specifically, we co-created and ran the Farms to the Future program. And um, a year ago, due to state uh, budget cuts, they, the Department of Ag brought that program in-house and left CEI really with an opportunity to figure out how they were going to participate uh, more fully. And that is why we are building programs that are concurrent with that effort to really build ag infrastructure. 
So because of our role in finance and the fact that we offer um, lending products along a whole continuum of finance, including um, two microloans specific for farmers, it made all the sense in the world to get involved with slow money when about a year ago Woody Tash came to the state and um, at the Western Mountains Alliance and presented his slow money concept. So since then, we have been actively involved with Bonnie um, to figure out how can we make this work on the ground as we look at how are we going to finance these businesses. Um, and we're having conversations around creating, you know, local foods type funds. And, and that is, that's the direction that we're, we're going in on the finance side. Mm. Bonnie, it might be helpful to, to now have a, a short definition of slow money, and then we'll talk about um, how it intersects with food systems. Uh, but Woody Tash is is the um, originator, but what are some of the concepts that really uh, attract you to the notion of, of slow money? And what have you got a, a kind of a working definition? At this point, our fluid group is forming um, into a more defined group. We've just asked a subcommittee to form a steering committee that will meet in early September to give ourselves a form. And someone in our group is going to establish a web and blog site to make us more accessible and define ourselves further. But I'd say the concepts around the slow money movement for me relate to the sense of disconnection and um, despair that many have had in the world related to the global economy, to war, to violence in general, to the um, inability of having a sense of vibrant communities. And for a number of reasons, people have awakened in a way that is new and different to me in that I have worked for many decades around these issues in Maine, but the coming together and the interest in collaborating and uh, a greater consciousness, con consciousness around all of these issues makes it an inspiring endeavor for me. Um, there have been many lonely times around these issues for me over the years. And while I've worked with progressive groups in the state that have held this vision and mission, it's very, very nurturing and heartening to sense the intensity of them and energy in a positive way around the movement. So the fact that people can connect now with the fertility of the land around them and understand where their food comes from and, and know their producers and support them and go back to what has been held as a high value place for living in Maine and other rural areas and anywhere in the world that one can achieve this, but a trusting social connection and developing that kind of viability that, that leads to a solid economic base and an environmental base. and brings uh, brings aliveness to a whole group. Mm. Uh, Gray, perhaps you can help us distinguish between fast money and slow money. Um, I, I referred to it as money zipping around the world. Um, we, we hear the daily reports about what's happening on Wall Street, but that doesn't connect to most of us that, that are living in Maine. Um, Wall Street is fast money. It's, mm -hmm. it's money that's invested specifically to make a return for the investor. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really connect with community. Can you help us distinguish between the two concepts? To the best of my abilities, my first disclaimer is I'm not a lending <laughs> officer or an investment officer. I am much more um, uh, an actor in the community development side mm -hmm. of agriculture. But what I can say, and what Bonnie has already spoken to, is that this is um, socially responsible investing, mission-related and community-based um, investing. And so the payback is really that connection to community and supporting um, cause that you believe in and, in this case, um, where you're getting your food from and um, how you're feeding your families and how you're building the economies of your local areas. And so that's the true return um, in this endeavor. Um, and to build these local systems and these local economies. So it's very connected to people, it's very connected to place, um, and very connected to um, a set of values and goals that we hope to achieve so that our kids and our kids' kids live in the kind of world that we 
um, envision for for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be interested in hearing what anybody else at this table has to say about that too. So let me just remind our guests, our, our listeners, who's in the studio with us, and then we'll come back to that. Uh, Bonnie Rukin, uh, you've just heard from a minute ago, uh, the slow money coordinator for Maine. You've just heard also from Gray Harris of uh, CEI. Also in the studio are Murata Cook of Crown of Maine Organic Cooperative and Aaron Bell of Tide Mill Farm in Edmonds, Washington County, Maine. Um, let's talk a little bit about the food system. Can we food feed Maine um, with Maine farms? Aaron, what, what do you think? Oh, yes. I, I fully think we can. I think we're on the right path to do that. I think Maine is a pioneer. And uh, the fact that Moo Milk... Our company, we got started with half the money we really needed to, but we had to start the company even though we were on, we were only halfway there in terms of capital that we needed. Um, and in, because of that, we had some problems getting the product launched. We had some problems with our packaging. We had some problems initially with our distribution. Um, but still, in the face of all those problems, we, have no, we had no marketing budget, but we're selling right now 7,000 half gallons a week of our Moo Milk product, and that's uh, to an extremely dedicated, loyal clientele that's willing to, um, they're sticking with us through the thick and the thin, and that's something that no marketing budget could buy. So that loyalty shows with the potential of the main consumer <coughs> and the New England consumer, you know, on, on a bigger scale. And the fact that we did raise $500,000 from private investors, and I don't know if they associate themselves as slow money investors, but certainly they are by definition slow money investors because they look at us and they want to, it's something they believe in. It's a healthy product. It's a it's stimulating local economies in rural parts of eastern Maine and northern Maine. And, uh, you know, they put their money where their mouth is, and that's and that's what uh, slow money, it seems to me, is is all about. And they, you know, probably some of them took some money out of fast money investments, put it into something with a slower return because it's something they believe in, and uh, and we're making it happen. So the fact that, that Moo Milk even got off the ground is, I think, um, evidence that there is real um, capital out there and there's really, you know, people with that willing to, to make moves to get things off the ground. Mm. It's also a perfect example of that paradigm shift that is happening. Just, you know, to raise $500,000 is a testament to that paradigm shift. It's also a testament to that we can feed ourselves in Maine and feed ourselves well. I mean, we produce enough food in Maine to feed ourselves about six times over. Just most of that is exported from the state and also isn't necessarily, um, you know, I guess Russell Libby says we'd all have to eat a lot of potatoes, blueberries, and (laughs) fish, um, which maybe wouldn't be bad compared to what the majority of um, Americans do eat. Um, But we see a real growing diversity of food produced here and in the work that I do with Crown of Maine Co-op. Um, we have a growing list of products, including tofu and tempeh and milk and cheese and meat and eggs and produce. There's no question that um, you could certainly feed yourself off of um, the food that is produced in Maine. And many people are taking that challenge and doing that even as, as we speak. Um, the slow money movement I think just ties right into those efforts that have been underway for a long time. And Bonnie mentioned the loneliness of the finance world. Well, that's coupled with the loneliness of the agricultural world when you're out there, you know, just working as hard as you can to produce food and then get a fair price for it. And then a lot of times in a rural landscape that doesn't understand what you're doing by taking on a creative approach to agriculture. I think the slow money investment coming from a community that's around you not only builds community around rural farms, it also um, builds a sense for the farmer that they are not alone in in what they're trying to do. It's not just them in the bank having it out and hoping the farmer prevails, that the community is behind the farm, not just in their idea that they want a farm to be in their town, but that the farm is producing the economy that feeds them as well. And mm. I think others can speak to that mm. as well as I can. Well, you you both represent um, part of this food system, the growing and the distribution. We'll come to a minute to are there some other sy- parts of that system. Uh, but, Murata, you kind of um, started as a business because you couldn't get your products to market any other way. Is that right? Not that, I mean, there were other ways to get our products to market. We had a family um, potato farm, organic Mm -hmm. potato farm up in northern Maine, as far north as you can possibly get. And uh, we had a 15, we had five kids in the family, so we owned a 15-passenger van. 
and we would load that up once a week um, from the products we'd come home from school and hand brush potatoes and put them in boxes and fill the van and then my dad would drive around until they were sold. That van was worth about $2,000 every time he took it down the road and had we sold that under any other channel of distribution, it would have been worth about $500. So it was a direct market approach. It was um, a value-added approach, and it was um, a differentiated ourselves from commodity producers around us. And that's sort of still the stance that we take with the whole co-op. Um, now our sales are annually close to a million dollars, and we work with, like I said, a, a large number of food producers. But we continue to say, you know, differentiate your products, make sure they're not commodity products, give us something that has value in and of itself um, that helps us to sell it and get you a high price. I say, don't ever approach me with a price that you're not making money doing it. It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense for us to get involved with it, let alone for you to um, try to supply me with a product that you you aren't making a return on. And I tell that to my customers too, you know, if I didn't explain to them why they should pay more for their food, then maybe they wouldn't pay more for their food, but we have a lot of compelling reasons for them to do that, mm -hmm. and we see it increasing. So and Aaron, you you toyed, and, and you still do a lot of direct marketing in addition to the Moo Milk. Tell us a little bit about how you get your product to market, because there's not a lot of people in Washington County. Your markets are outside of Washington County. Some of them are. Yeah, it's about two-thirds outside of Washington County for our direct Tide Mill branded products, and that is either distributed by... Marotta and Crown of Maine, or distributed by ourselves. We have a refrigerated truck. Twice a week, we take that truck out of Washington County. And um, once a week, Marotta picks up at our farm. And on for the other third, we have local buying clubs. We have one in Machias and one in Callis, and they're experiencing growth on a monthly basis. Um, and we do home deliveries in Lubeck every Monday. And then on Saturdays, we have a farmer's market on the farm. And, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, we're in Down East Maine, in Edmonds, Maine, really out of the way. And a couple Saturdays ago, we, we did 1,200 in sales on, sa on a Saturday at the farm in our little farm stand. It's not even a store. It's, you know, it's a wooden building just outside. So, so that kind of speaks to the local uh, clientele that we have. Now, granted, there's a lot of tourists in the area, but a lot of them aren't tourists. A lot of them are local people that do realize the value of local food and, you know, maybe even though our chicken, you know, might cost 12 or $14 for a chicken, that's when you compare that to a soda for $1.29 for 20 ounces of corn syrup and yellow dye number five, um, you know, it's a pretty good meal. So I, I think that's, you know, local food is affordable when you put it in context to compare it to the value that's in a highly processed food product mm -hmm. that's not necessarily local or, or organic or, you know, very low, no, low nutritional. So, so yeah, it's about two-thirds outside and a lot of that's Bar Harbor, Belfast, Rockland and then Murata takes it even takes our chickens and ground beef and milk um, even further. Some some of it probably ends up in Portland. You know, I'm not as familiar with where those markets are and then, you know, we have great relationships with the stores that we distribute to and then our buying clubs are are working great on a local basis um, so for we've the got Tide the, Mill. We've, we've got the production end and, and you um, we may come back to kind of investments in production. Are there processing um, barriers that, that local farmers are facing? How do we turn some of those products into um, greater value? Um, Gray, you, are you working with folks that are struggling with how do we get um, some of our products processed in a, in a helpful way? Absolutely. Um, case in point, uh, there is only one state-inspected poultry processing facility in all of Maine, and there are no USDA poultry processing facilities in the state of Maine, which means in, I can't sell any, Maine which means you can't sell Massachusetts. It, it means the whole national market's cut off to producers mm. in Maine. Um, this wasn't a deliberate choice, but this is just where we find ourselves now. Um, and so that, that really hampers growth and progress in that particular area of agriculture. So in, we're looking at that. We're also looking at um, slaughterhouses. We're also very interested in looking at, and again, these are gaps in the system that we've identified that are going to further this whole sector along and this local food system along not only to feed ourselves here in Maine, but to open other markets to farmers so they have more choices and can generate new and different um, income streams. So um, another area that we're very interested in looking at um, being from a, from a business development standpoint at CEI is veggie processing, value added 
for vegetables because you talk to folks who have, let's say, a couple acres of broccoli. And I'm not a farmer, so this is another disclaimer. You have a couple acres of broccoli, and then suddenly it's June, and you're going to have a 92-degree day. And if you don't get all that broccoli off the field, you're going to lose it. Is there an outlet? For all of that broccoli that instead of feeding it to you know the pigs you know what are you going to do with all that so you get it to a facility that can do IQF flash freezing package it and suddenly we have fresh frozen main vegetables available in the winter time and that opens up a whole new market opportunity here in the state and the Boston markets anywhere that can that can go anywhere um, so we are busy right now identifying those gaps and looking to target who are the entrepreneurs of which there are some fabulous, incredible creative people in this state. It's such an exciting place to work for that reason alone um, to see where we can start filling these gaps and building a more robust food system. Mm. Is land also an issue um, that, that is preventing more folks being involved in agriculture? There's tons of land Cheap land, okay, <laughs> but not necessarily farmers I, there who, who... I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out what are the barriers so that if people wanted to invest in local agriculture, where would they invest mm -hmm. it? And I understand that, you know, not having enough land in some areas is, is, is critical. And we're seeing land go to other purposes, aren't we, rather than farming. So is that... Land, land is definitely an issue for many farmers mm -hmm. in the state of Maine, and it ties into their ability to be profitable and even to get into farming to begin with or to continue a family farm that has been around for a long time. Um, so I, I'm always the first one to say go north young farmers. Um, <laughs> but uh, since we are in the neighborhood of Maine Farmland Trust, we should put a plug in for them to mm -hmm. say that um, there is a lot of work to be done and financing needed to help with the farmland access problems in Maine. Um, and that being said, there are lots of opportunities to spread farms out in, within the state and to revitalize regions such as Washington County, Aroostook County, Penobscot, uh, Penobscot County, Piscataquis County, all these counties that are rim counties in Maine, um, they really ought to be looked at as opportunities because with a good distribution network like ourselves, it's possible to access markets from those more remote farms, and we're committed to helping that happen. Mm -hmm. So, and those things probably weren't there um, in the first back to the not, land yeah. movement of the 1970s. Those people wanted to settle in those those rural areas, but they 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 really couldn't. They could not. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'll just remind our listeners, we're talking about slow money in Maine, slow money in local communities and local agriculture. Our guests in the studio are Marada Cook of Crown of Maine Organic Cooperative, Aaron Bell from Tide Mill Farms in Edmonds down in Washington County, Gray Harris, Director of Agricultural Resources at CEI, and Bonnie Rukin, Coordinator of Slow Money in Maine. And we do want um, you to participate in this uh, call-in program, so uh, take a note of our phone numbers, one 866 625-9378 or locally 469-0500 and you can participate as well in Talk of the Towns this morning. We do have a call. Let's take that call. Tell us your um, name and the town you're calling from and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, this is Eli. I'm calling from Washington, Maine. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation and I just wanted to make a comment. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in my time in Maine and growing up and my family being here for a couple generations is the general decline in soil fertility and the decline in systems which can feed the soil. We've lost the poultry industry, uh, dairy, small diversified dairy is, is not at the scale to provide the manure we need to grow our soil. So I was just going to put a plug in for not only preserving farmland but uh, keeping the system viable and figuring out creative ways to uh, fund that amendment. Thank you. How, how, uh, Eli, before you go, if you're still there, yeah. um, what are some of the things that you've thought about uh, how we could do that, how we, how we could improve soil fertility in Maine? Well, the composting systems are uh, definitely in need of some funding, and uh, I know we had a program uh, previously in the state, but I don't think it's being funded anymore. Um, but just generally dealing with the education issues, too, the not-in-my-backyard um, situations. A lot of what makes soil healthy smells, and uh, a lot of folks don't understand that. Um, but generally encouraging uh, anything that can, that can encourage people to raise livestock and um, compost at home in small, small steps, big steps, um, 
but it is a it is a big problem. I feel like there's a you know there's a there's a point at which our dependence on amendments that are petroleum based or chemical based um, you know has replaced systems that are hard to rebuild. So it's going to take a, a long view, and I feel like slow money is probably a really good funding apparatus for things like community composting um, and generally ideas like that, but that's Great. about all I got. Great. Thanks so much for, for that extended comment, Eli. And uh, you, if other listeners can participate as well, one 625 9378 here on Talk of the Towns. Aaron, what about this notion of soil fertility? Is that something you come up against? You've had a farm 1785, did you say? 1765. 65. I'm so, 20 Just years. a little older. Right, right. So how about soil fertility on your operation? How do you handle that? It's a, it's a challenge. Um, certainly we lease uh, over 200 acres to grow our hay on. We only have about 50 acres on the farm that we the pasture the livestock on, and then we lease um, another 150 off the farm, and our dairy cows don't produce enough manure to fertilize at all, and the manure isn't even a complete fertilization. So one solution that is helping um, is the pastured poultry operation. And we raise about 7,000 chickens on pasture every summer, and that will fertilize um, six to eight acres very well. And that's right now being done on the home farm. I have a vision of expanding the poultry operation and you know maybe being able to fertilize the off-farm sites with um, more streamlined pastured poultry operation. Um, which would take some some different systems. If it wasn't right local, you'd have to have some transport figured out mm -hmm. and some, uh, you know, maybe aluminum chicken tractors that have a longer life than the wooden ones, you know, because you'd be moving them all around. Mm -hmm. um, but that that works really well. I mean, those, those chickens leave um, incredible fertility behind them, and uh, the cows graze on that fertility, and we get an extended grazing season on that acreage where they where they are pastured and we are in the process actually today of moving 300 turkeys that are two weeks old out of the brood or out of the greenhouse and onto a farm um, off the farm that we're currently leasing from the main farmland trust uh, for a similar type of situation where we're going to be fertilizing trying to revitalize those acres that have been long since fallow and have goldenrod and and alders growing up in them. So, so that's one attempt is poultry because um, you're inputting that grain and they're grazing and leaving behind the fertility. But certainly it, it seems as though it is all about the microbes mm. and, and the magic of the microbes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, Bonnie? Uh, Ron, I wanted to add that MAFCA for years has been addressing issues of uh, soil fertility and um, bringing people into an awareness of what that really means and doing it on varied scales from home gardeners, um, at farms, schools, programs, up to um, large-scale farmers, conventional and organic. So I would um, encourage people to get in touch with MAFCA and Unity Maine and also attend the upcoming Common Ground Country Fair in September mm -hmm. that will have many different sessions on this. Um, agricultural Cooperative Extension Services offer uh, opportunities. Washington. Um, Hancock Community Agency and Downey's Business Alliance in this particular area that we are um, will offer that and um, many people are working on these issues. We have Woods End Lab in uh, Mount Vernon that has been working with soil fertility issues. And also just a note from the Slow Money National Alliance perspective, Woody's, Woody Tash's book, Slow Money, is subtitled in Investing as if Food, Farms, and Fertility Mattered. Mm. So it's all inclusive. Mm -hmm. and, and I get, yeah. Just a, just one other um, little pitch about the processing issues. Um, just to let the listening audience know about some other areas of, of engagement, um, Somerset Grist Mill uh, in Skowhegan with Amber Lampke is uh, converting an old prison to a grist mill, which could then be used to um, process grain that could be grown in many areas very close to Skowhegan. And I know that grain growing and processing is an issue in Washington County and obviously in Arista County as well to get um, to get feed for animals and for people uh, grown and distributed, processed and distributed. But Somerset Grist Mill is another opportunity and wanted to mention those. Mm. Marietta? I guess, um, yeah, just to tandem on the fertility issues, it definitely um, fertility is a systems problem. It's not a farm problem. It's a 
you know, our, the collapse of our fishing industry has taken a very valuable source of farm fertilization out of access for many Maine farmers. We import fish, ground fish meal is a perfect organic fertilizer, and we import it from Canada right now. And there's no reason why we couldn't produce it here in Maine, except we have allowed our fishing industry to collapse. So when we're looking at slow money and we're looking at our food system and we're looking at our fertility, they're all tied together. And if our fishing industry is restored, we'd have our fertility back to our farms. Mm-hmm. So sort of one. We do have another call. I'll list our phone numbers one more time, one 625 9378 If you'd like to participate in Talk of the Towns as we talk about slow money local communities. We do have a call. Um, if you'd like to give us your name and the town you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Uh, yes, good morning. First of all, I'd, uh, I'd like to correct the last statement of the speaker. We do have fish compost uh, company here in Maine. And um, they distribute in plastic bags to many hardware stores. Uh, but that's not what the point of my call is. Um, I am consi- con- concerned about the larger system for the state of Maine. Uh, for example, um, quick story, uh, the chefs in New York City f- were being supplied by New England and Maine with mescaline mix and other spring greens. Um, and then uh, a chef in New York City went to Arizona and started something like Blue Sky um, and started exporting his greenhouse-grown mescaline mix to New York City, but he found that his sales dropped off when the spring came along here in New England. Now, uh, I know that along Mary Meeting Bay, uh, somebody took over some probably the same concern, some blueberry land and picked the, the rocks off of it and wanted to start a greens growing uh, concern along that side of the bay. Um, so what we're going to see here in Maine is uh, people who have backing and money and some good ideas coming in and just predating off the top of the long, hard slog we've had for the last 30 years for organic growing. Second of all, we do not have good distribution systems in the state of Maine. Now, we have lots of farms, small tucked farms away that could sell a little extra produce, and we have farms that are trying to, you know, expand. But we don't really have a good, well-oiled, well-concertedly orchestrated distribution system for our locally grown foods. And I think slow money would be uh, really good to put towards um, that sort of an organization. And Something that's coordinated and... Uh, you know, uh, has uh, distribution centers near, say, for example, Bangor and the interstate or uh, that sort of thing. And can you give us a a little bit of your background? How do you come to this issue? Uh, (laughs) I helped. I'm an old hippie. I helped to start Mafka, and I know a great deal about the farming effort with the Back to the Landers and the other family farms in the state of Maine. And it's gone up and down and back and forth. And one thing I see is the farmers are going to have increasing difficulty going to the farmer's market, hauling their goods there, getting people to come there and buy them um, because of the rise in oil, uh, gas and oil prices and, uh, and because of increased competition as we start to devolve and move out of uh, California trucked-in goods and, ca- and Florida trucked-in goods. So there's, a, there's going to be some accordion-shaped backups and forwards in, in trying to, um, to get something established that will work. So uh, I think distribution centers would be um, a good place to put the money. Uh, the farmers will come along. They've, they're all creative. They all have great ideas. And then as far as composting goes, I use straw bales three times. I bank my house with them. I make a compost pile with them. And then in the end, I put the compost on my garden. So we've got lots of straw in Rustic County. Uh, you know, it's not that hard. Great. Well, thank you for your call this morning. Yep. Bye. So um, our phone numbers are 81-866-625-9378. So one of the comments is that when um, good ideas happen, sometimes fast money swoops in and, and uh, um, invests in place of what might be happening at the local community level. Is that um, something that you, you worry about? We seem, seem Yeah, not- I, I think uh, the challenges of distribution, consistency, 
grocery stores mentality of the consumer i mean i think a lot of it comes down to the consumer being willing to go out of their way for local food and and being a farmer working with a distributor like marada it it it, it things have to be just right for distribution to work out and and it's it's an amazingly complicated system and you're dealing with 87 different producers they all have different places where they get picked up it's not a warehouse for cisco and and, and one r- huge truck um, that's going to make one drop off of an entire truckload of bananas, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so the more complicated you make it, and the more different shelf life and the different environmental requirements of the product on your truck, you know, everything from my fresh chicken to frozen blueberries to fresh greens, they all require different things. You're a diversified distributor. You're trying to accommodate all of those on your truck. That that adds a lot of complication. It's, I think it's very different than when you see the refrigerated tr- tractor-trailer trucks rolling up and down the interstate. Um, you know, the volume allows the simplicity, and and the the scale um, is and, hard to compete with. And the cost with. as well. I mean, you'll see the major food distributors in the state have one warehouse in the state of Maine. There are very few that have these hub satellite warehouses. This is a very innovative approach and one that we are working on. Um, right now, we have been using our farms as these satellite warehouses where four or five farms will bring all of their products to one farm so we can pick it up there. Or we have one farmer who's going to come and meet our truck who picks up from all his neighbors. You know, we've found these sort of grassroots ways to get around these distribution problems. And by no means is Crown of Maine like the only distribution solution in the state. Or no, by no means do we have it all figured out. We're definitely still in the throes of making that very elegant system, I guess. Well-oiled isn't necessarily what we're looking for, but elegance could be a reasonable five-year goal. Um, and I would uh, I would also add that to meet that goal, uh, concerned and conscious investors and consumers can make the, the difference. And it's those connections working on this collaborative vision and mission that will make the difference. Predation is an issue in the world forever. But <laughs> I, I would like to put that in the category of fear-based approaches that are not going to serve us well going forward. So let's talk about how someone who might be listening to the program um, who has some money to invest and they'd like to consider slow money approaches versus fast money approaches, um, how would we connect um, slow money investors with some of these worthy um, um, ventures that, that make a return? Well, I'm glad you asked because <laughs> I have uh, recently met that increasing interest in people coming to our meetings and phoning me and emailing me. And I have available a one-page sheet to direct people to some of the many options in Maine. And I'm just going to quickly name a few of them and have you um, get in touch with me uh, to follow up and then get in touch with the groups to follow up. But I also want to make it clear that this is not uh, an opportunity simply for accredited investors with $200,000 worth of income and a million dollars worth in assets. This is about everyone Mm. to make a connection with their community and with their local food systems. And that will make sustainability in all of these realms that we are hoping for on the social, economic, cultural level. And that can mean anything from producing your own food to understand what soil fertility is about. It can mean going to getting a lot of your food locally from farmers markets, from co-ops, becoming a CSA member. And this also applies to people that may just be visiting and enjoying Maine through the summer months. A lot of the farmers that are producing the wonderful foods that you eat in the summer need cash flow help in the winter and early spring. And your support could make a huge difference. And you could also count on very yummy, nutritious food (laughs) when you come here and land for your exciting adventures. So I just encourage all of you to know that this is an inclusive movement. And it it crosses social, cultural, class, economic lines and that's the exciting piece of it for me so I won't carry on but I will let you know of this tool financial tools for slow money main investors focused on main sustainable food systems get in touch with me Bonnie Rukin and Ron will get contact information to you later CEI in Wiscasset has opportunities the carrot project in Boston is serving main farmers Trillium Asset Management in Boston is connected with CEI through some of their opportunities. Maine Farmland Trust has a PRI program, uh, the first 
right now with Maine Community Foundation to help them buy, protect, and sell um, Maine farmland and protect that. Mafka's loan fund fo functions in collaboration with Bangor Savings Bank, offering investment options. Washington Hancock Community Agency, Downey's Business Alliance. Uh, there are also investments in the form of philanthropic gifts that you can consider through personal or donor-advised funds in 501c3 organizations that have been around for a long time and have great track records in Maine. And they focus on local sustainable food systems in varied ways. Foundation investments can also be made to L3C businesses that are forming in Maine. The, the opportunities exist and are ever-expanding, so stay tuned. Um, not just on this show, but in the world in general. <laughs> also, more and more people are understanding that these forms are evolving in organizations, but as Gray referenced earlier, but they're not in place yet. And they want to move now with their commitment to this. And they know that the need is there and the time to act is now. So there are individuals getting together on a personal basis to do um, pooled money support, financial support for these endeavors. There are also several online groups that people have had varied forms of success and experience with. And some of those are called Lion, um, I'm sorry, I'm losing my place on my line here. Um, why, don't uh, we, why don't we just have, have you list your website um, okay. And then people. We don't have. A, I don't have a website. Um, and Slow Money Maine doesn't have a website. But okay. um, you can contact me, Bonnie Rukin, at two three six four seven zero three. Slow down, Bonnie. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> two three six four seven zero three in Camden, and my email is Bonnie Rukin R U K I N at G W I dot net. SlowMoneyAlliance.org is the national website, and there are people there that you could also get in touch with about what's going on nationally and also in our region. Great. Thank you. Take a breath now. Take a breath. one 625 9378 if you'd like to participate in our conversation about slow money and local communities. Uh, Gray, are there other examples besides agriculture where slow money is being used? Um, do you, are you familiar with those or others familiar with this concept? Fisheries, for instance, and maybe Bonnie has, has some thought um, there as well. We've, we've talked about the, um, the CSA, the Community Supported Agriculture. We also have Community Supported Fisheries, and that's a form of slow money in, in which people are putting money up front so fishermen can then go out to sea and, and fish, and that's very similar to the um, the, uh, the, the farm-supported um, agriculture. So we, we are seeing these. Uh, I know that there are groups looking at alternative energy um, in their communities and, and kind of saying, how can we invest in some alternative energy kinds of things? So it seems to me that slow money is a concept that uh, um, applies to the whole community as well as to the agricultural sectors. And, and, that, and they are, I would say, in general, the, um, just to speak a bit about the the National Alliance at the um, most recent conference at Shelburne Farms in Vermont, Ari Durfel, the new um, executive director of Slow Money, working with Woody Tash, was asked that very question and said, well, is this really just only about food? You know, is it, could it be more? And he said, you know, slow money is about restorative economies. Mm. And by its very nature, will encompass um, much more broadly other, other sectors. So it will potentially involve, you know, energy, renewables, um, and other uh, community-focused... and Housing, education, ex childcare. Exactly. I mean, the list can go on and on and on, but it needs to start somewhere. And one of the basic fundamental things we need in life is, is food and good, healthy food. Um, and so this is where it's starting, and this is where we are right now and for the foreseeable future. Mm. So. Let's take another call, um, 1-866-625-9378. If you'd like to participate, um, let us know your uh, name and where you're calling from, and go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, I'm Donya from Belfast. Um, I was just curious if the Slow Money um, movement is having a presentation or um, booth at Common Grand Fair, and if they're not, um, Why not? maybe they should consider it. <laughs> Thanks for that call, Tanya. Okay. Bonnie? Great idea, but uh, not officially this year. Um, we have been growing um, expansively and quickly, and I'm trying not to be overwhelmed by being the sole coordinator of this movement at this point. That's why I've asked for a steering committee. So we will be bringing that into our thinking and action for next year. However, as I said earlier, Woody Tash will be giving a keynote address at the Common Ground Fair at 11 o'clock on Saturday, September 25th, so you can get a sense of that. And I 
did manage to arrange a meet and greet session for anyone in Maine to join at two o'clock with Woody to um, bring your questions and comments to that gathering. So that's where we've moved it so far, and we'll definitely keep you posted about other events that are options coming up, but also know about our meetings that will be in the news. Great. Thanks so much. Um, we have another call. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Woody Cash, that, could you have a better name? <laughs> <laughs> Woody Cash, I just have uh, to laugh It's Woody bit. Tash, sir. It's Woody Tash. T-A-S-C-H. Oh, yes. Oh, T-A-S-C-H. Well, sometimes they don't give it to us direct, you know. But um, anyway, uh, I can imagine you're being overwhelmed, Bonnie, because I think your idea is like... Uh, you know, a, a very going concern, and I'm I'm so glad at least you're there to to uh, shepherd the initiation of this thing. Uh, I remember I'm coming in in the middle of the program because I've been working, so I may be out of context, but uh, I remember hearing in some other uh, country where things were done quite differently, uh, they didn't fail in the recent uh, bank debacle because they had, uh, rather than large banks, they had very, very small banks. And these small banks only dealt with their immediate communities. And uh, they made very small loans, and they weren't greedy in their uh, interest uh, requirements. Um, and so the banks mm. didn't collapse because they, they weren't, they weren't, they were too small to fail. Mm. And um, uh, I wonder whether we can short-circuit the almost endless task of, of creating that uh, uh, um, uh, by law in this country, because there's so many oppositional forces against it, by banding together as groups of private investors uh, to create our own, somehow or other, uh, legally functioning enough bank, local bank, so that we can actually bankroll uh, many other things such as uh, uh, maybe uh, community-owned freezing operations or meat processing operations, or uh, to take it further than that, you know, wheelbarrow-making operations or uh, small agricultural implement-making operations or blue jean-making operations or any, you know, the sky's the limit once you start because the community then is empowered to decide what it wants to have as a functional community. Uh, uh, creative industry in its midst and to make that happen because there's enough money, ambient money in the community. We have it here. I mean, there are enough rich people in almost any community, especially in Maine. And poor people who might choose and, to invest. And right? poor people who need jobs desperately right. and who know how to do stuff. Great. But now they, they're not able to do because it's being done overseas. Well, well, thank you, know, you for we can take it back. thank you for your call this morning. Okay. We have one more call. Um, we'll try to get in before the end of the hour. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Um, good morning. In good morning. Two thousand and four, I went down to the Hyatt in Boston to the Investor Circle conference there, um, and Woody Tash is a member of the Investor Circle, the Angel Investors, and I attended the conference and I saw how they they rolled out their uh, their initiatives. Um, they have a they have 20, well, it depends. I'm not exactly sure what it is this year, but they have uh, entrepreneurs uh, present to only the investors. They have an open day with uh, a plenary program of uh, several types of speakers in several different areas, and it's a pretty good conference. Um, so here we are six years later, and, and Woody has made it up to Maine. Uh, Elliot Coleman was actually at the conference that year. And um, <clears throat> I really don't know. Uh, a lot has changed in our financial systems, but uh, I think that uh, these people have some fairly good ideas. I know they were pushing a slow food book there. Uh, but um, I think that uh, here in Maine, we definitely need to acquaint them with what we have as our structure here uh, in order to meld correctly. And um, these ideas are not new. Uh, these are uh, a sort of a lower tier financiers who have a social and environmentally responsible uh, piece of their character that they'd like to be able to, to put forward. 
and they invest in everything from organic restaurants to medical devices for third world countries. Um, people should become informed about the, the slow money and the slow food movement. Make sure they know who the actors are, and if they invite them to come and you know collaborate here in Maine, uh, make sure that everyone has a good handle on it. That's all I have to say. Great. Thanks for your call this morning. We're almost at the end of the hour, so you may have some very brief responses to these callers, but then I want to get your views about the future and have your contact information. Uh, A quick response, Bonnie? Just a quick response. Um, Shelburne Farms hosted the second annual Slow Money Conference uh, in June, and 25 presenters did just what you were hoping for, and about at least... uh, Two hundred thousand dollars flowed from those presentations, and at our last main slow money meeting, we had one presenter um, present, and Marada has been another presenter, and a lot of activity and engagement has come from that. There are also models of banking systems, and uh, there's a permaculture credit union in the southwest that has been functioning for ten years, very successfully making loans in communities. So. There's much to share, and um, check our uh, website and blog site when we have it, probably in the next couple of weeks. Great. And your phone number one more time, please, Bonnie? Slowly. Yes. 236-4703. And, uh, Gray, where do you want to see this movement going? How do you want to see it come together? Um, I wanted to see us do it (laughs) and see this money flow and and get out there um, and, frankly, hit the ground. Um, Because what I want to be able to say is we look back on this time and realize that this has become normal, accepted, standard practice to invest in our communities and our local systems and our local food production. And that this 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 time marks a real cultural shift, a tangible cultural shift. Um, and that's where I hope to get in the future. But meanwhile, what needs to happen is the, mo- the money needs to start flowing into these businesses. And I'm excited to be part of an organization that can help facilitate and align some of those funds and develop some of these businesses and move forward. Great. Thanks so much. Murata uh, Cook, um, where's, what, what's your vision? Where do you want to be um, with um, this process? <clears throat> Seconding what Gray said, but I guess also adding that we are at the critical um, mass and tipping point moment in the main food system where investment in the next tier of processing and scaling on a sensible level, not talking mega farms, we're not talking about consolidating farms, we're talking about increasing the capacity of farms that exist and new farms coming into it and ensuring that the distribution and marketing um, elements of that can sustain this movement as a whole so that we're not talking about banks in Arizona and small microloan funds in Africa and India. When we're talking about slow money and uh, slow food and agriculture, we're talking about Maine. When the nation looks to how things were done right, they're talking about Maine, Mm. not somewhere else in the world. That's where we could be in five years. Aaron, what's your hope for the future? Well, my immediate hope for the future is that Moo Milk <laughs> receives some much-needed investment. We drastically uh, need some cash influx to continue and expand into our Boston markets that we've just had access to. Um, we just received good news from corporate headquarters at Whole Foods that they'll carry us in the 20 stores in the greater Boston area if the store managers so choose. So that's an amazing encouragement, and uh, we're seeing our sales growth, and it would be a shame for this company to fold up on the eve of such market expansion potential. So we appreciate any interest from any investors um, that are out there, and we certainly appreciate those investors that have worked with us thus far, and our farmers and our truckers and our processors that have gotten us to where we are and put in uncounted investment dollars thus far. Mm. And And it's... uh, Your your contact information, Aaron, for Tidemill? Is uh, our website is tidemillorganicfarm.com, and I'd be happy to steer any anyone to the Moo Milk direction um, if they contact me. So. Great. And Marada for Crown of Maine Organic Cooperative. Yep, our warehouse number is eight seven 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 four four four. Great. And for CEI, Gray Harris? Mm-hmm. You can reach me at 882-7552 um, or gharris at ceimaine.org. 
Great. And we thank, again, all of you for being with us um, this morning on Talk of the Towns. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. And we want to thank all of the supporters who called in last week to um, pledge their support during our fund drive. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balnain House Highland Music recording. Thanks to our guests in the studio, Bonnie Rukin, coordinator of Slow Money, Maine, Murata Cook of Crown of Maine Organic Cooperative in Vassalboro, Gray Harris of CEI in Wiscasset, and Aaron Bell of Tide Mill Farm in Edmonds in Washington County. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Joe Mann for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. <laughs>